Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, this is the Footyology Podcast previewing round 16 of the 2023 AFL season and what uh, a run to the finish line we've gone ahead of us. The buy rounds are over, thank God sake, a lot of people. Um, and uh, the race to September on in earnest. And uh, some big awards being doled out to AFL All of Fame to talk about. As I say, very good morning to my footyology co-host, Mr. Rodney O. How are you, Rocket? Morning, Rowan. How are you? Yes, good to get rid of the buys. Uh, it certainly affects um, some people more than others. Some people are really vitriolic about it. But uh, <laughs> who would I, do you reckon? Were they uh, TV broadcasters? Yeah, they're mainly the yeah, it's mainly media types. <laughs> that uh, I'm not as uh, against it as a lot of people, but. Why they split it over four weeks and not three? Um, seem to be going the wrong way with it. Maybe going to split it over two uh, might be a bit uh, uh, a bit better for everybody. They move in mysterious ways. Uh, interesting time in AFL land. Um, the Hall of Fame last night, which we'll talk about very shortly. Uh, but these uh, we've got what nine rounds left. Um, it's real run to the finish line stuff now, isn't it? And a fascinating scenario. You've got three relative sort of newcomers in in finals terms, Essendon, St Kilda, Adelaide, uh, but you've got some real heavyweights outside the eight. Two recent premiers in Geelong and Richmond and two more grand finalists in Sydney and GWS. I sort of feel like those sides inside the eight are the the uh, the deer sort of uh, innocently pacing around with the uh, the Lions ready to sort of pounce on them. Yeah, it sets it up for a very even competition, doesn't it, heading in that Sydney really outside, but uh, a chance. But certainly, uh, if you're inside the eight, you'd be keeping an eye on Geelong at the moment. Um, Fremantle, Gold Coast, or other teams as well that are, are winning some games. I really feel for Adelaide though that lost to Collingwood by one point and two points, and probably show that they're one team that could threaten at the top end. Um, you worry with some injuries and they had to slip up against Gold Coast. Do they slip up down the track again and miss out? Um, they're the ones that I'd hate to miss out, to be honest, because I think they play really good brand of footy. But uh, I think the dogs would be worried. Um, maybe Essendon and St Kilda as well, who didn't get the job done on the weekend. Well, it's all set up for a terrific finish. And uh, round 16, obviously another step on the path to September. Uh, we're going to preview that in detail, but first, let's have a chat about some news of the week. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, we'll start this week with uh, the ongoing drama at West Coast and their disgraceful performance against Sydney last weekend. No other way of describing it, really. 171 point losing those in the fourth biggest in football history. Uh, their third 100-point-plus defeat in the last five weeks and their fourth in eight weeks, uh, they have absolutely just fallen apart. We know they've got a long injury list, but um, uh, plenty of vision played in various platforms uh, over the last few days showing the effort all but, it, um, well, just not there at all really in that game and uh, the morale, everything of that club, rock bottom. Uh, look, they've stuck fat this week. No coach sackings, no stepping down of Trevor Nisbet, the CEO. The fitness guy will depart at the end of a season. It seems to be a, a minor reaction. But uh, interested in your take, Rocket, I just feel with this club that um, they've always sort of resolutely done their own, gone their own way, been fairly dismissive of the outside football world in terms of advice and previous examples. And I think in this case, particularly in an on-field sense, post that 2018 flag, they just tried to keep things going when they clearly weren't right. And that's the you know the trading in of Tim Kelly, which famously has cost them four draft picks over two years. Uh, also, though, you know Alex Witherden, Sam Petrovsky, Seaton, Jaden Hunt, most recently, you know all all of them sacrificing potential young additions to the list, so their kids a aren't that good and b don't get that much opportunity. Um, they've kept way too many veterans on the list, half of whom never play. Uh, and it's it's been a list disaster, to be perfectly honest. And uh, the coach seems pretty flat and pretty uninspired. I just don't know where they go with it. Where where do you see things, Saul? Um, well, they need to make some tough decisions. And I think what you're 
hitting at really, they haven't made tough decisions over the last two or three years. They've really just gone on and won the premiership. They finished fifth the next year. Then they uh, slowly and then quickly fallen off the perch. Their last two years have been lamentable. Um, they think that the senior older guys get the job done. And as you said, a lot of them aren't playing. Give them fat contracts. I've heard for over 12 months that a lot of senior players get uh, easy treatment. Uh, don't have to do time trials in pre-season, make sure they get up, don't train as hard. Is that a reflection of uh, now or manifestation that they're getting injured? Um, I think they overrated where they're at. Um, they didn't see it coming. It was poor list management. When, no, they, no, I think it was Jerry McGovern really held him to ransom a little bit with a big contract. I would have traded him and just needed to make some toughness. Now it's just blown up in their face. It's really... It's probably the worst position any team's been in, uh, probably equal to Melbourne when they were at that at that rock bottom, whenever that was 10, 15 years ago. But it, it is, you can't see much way out of it. Their team on the weekend, though, Rowan, they had a lot of players back. Shuey was back, um, Duggan was back, and there was a couple of other senior players. That was probably the most experienced team that had for a long time, and it's their biggest loss. So... Um, I don't think you can blame the kids on the weekend. I thought some of the efforts of their senior players, Tim Kelly, or happy to put his name out there, he got, he just didn't chase at times. He was just really worried about getting a kick, worried about getting a stat. And um, so I, I think they're in diabolical. How long will it take to get back? I think we mentioned it early in the season. They'd be in real trouble if they don't identify it. And now this is, they have to do it now. I mean, they're forced into doing something. But with Tasmania come in, them and probably Richmond to a degree, uh, with their older list are going to really struggle with traffics. Now, they will have to, have, having read this, people are, are conjecturing at the moment, but they're going to have to trade the number one pick and get multiple picks. They're going to have to get three good players in. If they they took pick one and they took that Harley Reid, I would think in three years he'll go. He's gone. They can't afford to take their chance. They've got to take the best, get three good picks at least, minimum, and uh, then when they're early second round bidding, uh, which they'll have, first one in the second round. They could pick four Western Australians or four close to like Shannon just South, have a South Australian or whatever the case may be, but they, they, they can, they're going to fast-track that as quickly as they can. Well, the thing now is that having sort of put it off, delayed and delayed that sort of complete list overhaul, now if they jettison a whole stack of veterans together, who becomes that senior group? Well, a group that is patently not up to the level and hasn't got enough experience under his belt. So they've got a huge sort of generational gap in oh, their width. Well, I think that gap's bigger than any other clubs had that had a gap because the role of players, Nat Nui McGovern, that don't play. Shuey's injured in a fair bit, but he's in that older bracket. Yo's probably not quite as old. Shannon Hearn, who's done a great job, but he's in that age bracket. Uh, Gaff is playing every week, but he's really struggled. Like, he has fallen off as a player, which happens to all players. So they haven't got a lot. I haven't got a lot of players. Um, Dom Sheen's the one, but he's not an A-grade midfielder. He's a good player, but he's not an A-grader. Um, Oscar Allen has obviously got super talent at one end. Harass at the other end, but where else? I, I don't know what they've got. So they've got this, not only the top end going, but their middle bracket. I don't know whether they're good enough to take over and be in charge of the team either. So they're going to be really diabolical situations for a long time. Well, uh, interesting times ahead, uh, but I, I tend to agree with you. It's, it's they're, they're sort of sentenced to be down the bottom for some time. Look, they're a rich club. They've got huge resources, membership, but, you know, we all know with the, the salary cap and the soft cap, even on football spending, uh, makes it harder to utilise those resources. So it comes down to Kenny football um decisions and unfortunately they've uh, made anything but so uh time will tell all right let's move on and um a really great night uh of afl football every year rocket is the uh, inductions for the australian football hall of fame seven new inductees announced this year uh no legends uh elevated in fact and uh we'll just touch on this very briefly but um one legend removed from the Australian Football Hall of Fame. That was Barry Cable after those uh, shocking uh, cases involving him that uh, have cropped up. But uh, look, we're going to 
kept this positive uh, this week. Let's have a quick run through the seven inductions this year and uh, a quick word uh, from you on on uh, your sort of uh, interactions with maybe as an opponent uh, coach-wise uh, or even playing-wise in some cases uh, with some of those guys. Now, first uh, on this list, and there's always guys that crop up from other states that I'm always particularly interested in. Tom Way um, was a star with West Adelaide and North Adelaide, 169 Sandville games. Uh, he won the McGeary Medal in 1913, three-time best and fairest, and uh, later went on to coach Norwood in the Sandville to two premierships, uh, already a member of the Sandville Hall of Fame. Um, so that was the, uh, I guess, the least well-known of the inductions. But uh, all the others, um, pretty well-known, some relatively recent inductees. To start, though, with uh, a contemporary of yours in a playing sense, if not a competitive sense, because he never played VFL footy. But Michael Aish, absolute star for Norwood, uh, fantastic running player, 307 games for Norwood. Uh, McGarry Medal played in two premierships with the Red Leagues, uh, three-time All-Australian. Um, and he, uh, a marvellous speech from Michael Ace too, in which he, he talked about his family. Um, did, did you ever play any of those? Uh, I played a, yeah, I played one state game against South Australia, so I imagine he would play it that night. Um, yeah, he was a terrific player, um, fantastic player, one of those group of about three or four players that never came to Melbourne. Uh, Gary McIntosh, another one. Um, Andrew Sharman, another one. Oh, you end up being the Crows. But um, I thought from his speech last night that he, he regretted not coming. He didn't yeah. say those words. He was he was very careful not to upset South Australians. But well, he, 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 talked, he talked about not dealing with anxiety, and that sounded like the main reason he didn't come over. It was a very frank and yeah. like touching sort of admission, really. Yeah. So whether uh, the... I mean, it's dispersing, but the big fish in the, in the smaller pond and whether he could cut it so the expectations on him would be like, you know, have a look at Russell Lee, but he probably came too late. Rick Davies, who I played with, who were superstars in the sample, but, and in Graham Corns to a degree that they came when they're 30. So it's probably, and they didn't reach the heights that they had, even though Ebert played quite well for North Melbourne in, in that one year. But uh, whether Ace thought, oh, I'm not going to reach those heights, but... I mean, a lot of other players have come over, you know, Bradley and Platt and Mark Naley and uh, these type of players who have ended up being extremely good players, fantastic players, Kernan. So I, I thought, you know, he mentioned about the anxiety, but I, I, there was a real tinge with, you know, it was a regret of his that he that he didn't come over. Uh, but he was a really classy player. He was a lean player. He wasn't, he wasn't a big type of player, but a lot of lean players have done extremely well, Michael Tuck being one. So... Um, I, yeah, I think he, you know, his use of the ball was fantastic. He, he could run and carry. Um, now he's one of those modern-day type players. The standard of the sandfall in the early to mid-80s was out of this world, and, and you'd remember in Melbourne, we used to get, um, and some years, not just the grand final, but actually televised the whole final series live over here. And uh, they showed with Asia a clip of him running along the wing in the 1984 Grand final, which Norwood famously beat Port Adelaide in coming from fifth spot. Um, fantastic game of footy. And uh, remember that fondly, Rocket, because it was the day after our grand final and uh, I was a little bit the worse for wear, collapsed in a lounge watching, watching that. Uh, do you remember much about the day before? Uh, no, mate. Move on. No, okay. All right, we'll do that gag a few times before this season. Oh, Amy, George, you want to play it? God, you <laughs> You just get out of your own bubble here, Ron. I like, mate. I don't know. Fair, no, fair point. Uh, all right, we will move on. And uh, let's talk about three players, all of the modern era, all contemporaries, part of a fantastic rivalry too. But uh, I'll get your observations in a uh, coaching opponent sense on Sam Mitchell, Jimmy Bartell, and Corey Enright. Now, very quickly, uh, Jimmy Bartell, 305 games to Geelong, three premierships, two All-Australians and Norm Smith medal. Corey Enright, 332 games, three premierships, two best and fairest, and a six-time All-Australian. Uh, Sam Mitchell, 329 games, 
uh, four premierships, a Brownlow medal, five best and fairest, and three-time All-Australian. All phenomenal players, and I'd argue, or in their own way, a little bit understated and took all of them some time to achieve this sort of acclaim and kudos from outside that we now uh, take as a given with them. Do you agree with that? Oh, for sure, yeah. I think, uh, yes, for sure. You know, I suppose Mitchell was the one really who fought against the odds. Um, you have a look at his record on stats and on paper. It's probably the, probably the leading one of those three, uh, what he's achieved. Um Enright, I remember doing some media work early on and he was playing in the midfield. And I thought, gee, this bloke can really play. I know it was interesting, uh, Scarlett saying last night that early on he didn't think he was going to cut it. But um, I thought he uh, I thought he played really well and he was playing in the middle. And then they moved him down backwards, which was an inspired choice. Um, and his ability to, as a tall back pocket, if that's the way he played, playing on the smaller players, but be able to mark the ball, intercept, He's an interceptor. Technically, as a smaller player, and they was quite tall. Um, but he read the game. He's high footy IQ. And that's both. All three of them have got high footy IQ. Mitchell, extremely off the chart. Bartell, you could tell. But they all had great courage, great ability to compete, but picked the right option at the right time. That's a really good observation, too, because often I find this, if you're thinking about a player, gee, this player's really good but I can't really pinpoint any single thing that's a standout about them. It always comes back to that footy IQ, doesn't it? It's just they're able to read the play quicker than others, get to the right spots. And Ed Wright was a classic in that regard. He was. And and Bartell, really, I, I think he's been understated as a player. His ability and willingness at big moments do the right thing and it comes up whether it's a goal, whether it's a mark, uh, but even if you watched him during a game, which is not a big game, he would he wouldn't do anything flash or outside his capabilities. With a lot of players trying to do, they try and do the kick through the eye of a noodle, kick around their body, go one hand. He would do the same thing. They're playing the bottom team, um, and they're six goals up, and he would just hit a target, go fuss, take them, take the nice mark back back into the pack, intercept at the right time, and especially those grand finals. Uh, but that last one against Collingwood that he played uh, was 2011, but just at the right time, just did the right thing. Kicked a big goal when he needed to kick it. And he did that week in and week out. So I think because he looked slow, I think it took a lot of people a long time to recognise how good a player he was. A massive second quarter in that 2011 grand final when at one stage it looked like Collingwood could really get out of control, probably kept them in that game. And then, of course, as you say, big goal. Uh, at the finish there to sort of sink the nail in the coffin. And 20, uh, 2009 grand final too, Wendy Hayes absolutely on fire for the Saints early on. Jimmy uh, went on to Hayes and really not took him totally out of the game, but managed to curb him a little bit. And that was pivotal to Geelong winning. So you're right. Yeah, it's just the right things and the percentage plays at the right times. And one thing you notice about Jimmy, he's always going to be the guy who'll keep everyone else in check. He, he would have been one of the guys in that Geelong side not letting the younger blokes get ahead of themselves because he's very big on that. Everyone playing their role and everyone is uh, a very modest bloke and I think that's probably helped his um, football star get to the heights it did. Uh, all right, well, there's three more and we'll just finish off talking about two other interesting ones. Uh, Bruce McAvaney, of course, uh, who began calling footy to Channel 7 in 1978 uh, we came over to Melbourne uh, with Channel 10 for about seven years and then from 1989 uh, for a good 30 years with Channel 7. Called more than a 1,000 AFL games, including 20 grand finals. And um, I'd be interested in a take of someone who, who played and was called by Bruce and your observations about him. But as a media person, I, I look at him and I always just think consummate professional uh, accuracy, detail, passion, Great timing as a caller, knew when to sort of ride the peaks and troughs. and But also, uh, just a really nice guy, Bruce. I mean, very humble for what he's achieved, very encouraging of, of others. And I know a lot of people in the industry, in TV, um, you know, just speak so highly. I mean, he's universally liked, I think, which is enough of a comment of itself on the sort of person he is. Yeah, for sure. I think you've been that perfectly. Like, he was a nice, oh, he's a nice guy. And, uh, 
and willing to help anybody. Um, very easy to talk to. Um, but he was the doyen of callers. You know, as you said, he had great timing. Um, and as he mentioned last night, and you've just said it, that he researched a lot, so he got his facts and figures right, and then he called from the heart, so you could see the passion. He wasn't a robotic caller, uh, but he he had that uh, had that knowledge in the background that he knew he could call on at any time. So, yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. Well deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And the last admission, uh, last um, by no means least, because it was a very entertaining uh, speech he made an interview he did. But Mark Choco Williams. 377 games as a player for West Adelaide, Port Adelaide in the Sandville, Hollywood, where he was captain, uh, Brisbane Lions, a, a briefly a teammate of, of yours, Rocket, um, played in premierships, four premierships with Port Adelaide in the Sandville, uh, twice Collingwood best and fairest. And then, of course, as coach, Coach Glenelg um, for a couple of years, Coach Port Adelaide in the AFL, their inaugural coach, and of course the 2004 Premiership. Um, what a career, and, and still involved heavily in the game as senior assistant roles at Essendon, Port, uh, GWS, Richmond, still working um, intimately with Melbourne, uh, a life member of the AFL, the Sandful, life member of Port Adelaide, Collingwood. Uh, it's an amazing CV, Rocket, and he's a, he's a pretty amazing bloke, Choco, just that boundless energy and enthusiasm uh, can wear people down at times, but it's uh, like Kevin Sheedy, you just you can't deny it, really, can it? No, that's right, and he, he has, and I think that's his hallmark, he's, he's, he's uh, enthusiasm and constant uh, enthusiasm, but it's it's consistent, it, like it's never down, it's, he, he's always got a way to bounce up, so... Now he's been great for development and time. So I did play with him at the Brisbane Bears uh, for a couple of years. And uh, now he's an intense character, but he, he, he spent a lot of time with the youngsters, uh, the, the, the Bears, trying to uh, guide them in the, in the right path and, and teach the basics of footy. So uh, as you said, he's got an amazing CV of premierships and the Sandfall and then what he did at, uh, in the AFL level as a player as well. Well, a uh, big congratulations to all seven inductees, uh, very well deserved in every case and uh, yeah always a fantastic night on the football calendar if you get a chance to look at that coverage on uh, KO I think it'll be up there well worth doing because some of the interviews and the stories uh, being told are always excellent alright we've got a return to nine games plenty to get through on the preview front let's do it on Footyology previews with Punch well, round 16 kicks off with more Thursday night football. 7.20 at the Gabba. Brisbane playing Richmond. Massive game, particularly for the Tigers. Brisbane a third on the ladder at 10-4. Richmond a 12th. Uh, they had the bye last week. And, of course, sides coming off the bye. That has been a real issue this year. Richmond won 15 in a row against the Lions over a 10-year period. But 2-3 uh, over the last five. And three of their last seven meetings have been finals. The Gab is a massive advantage to the Lions, of course. 45 wins from 53 games since the start of 2019. Uh, Richmond have won 15 and lost 11 at the Gabba, and they've lost three out of their last four. Uh, big game. Can the Tigers keep this late-season tilt going, Rocket? What do you reckon? Uh, there's certainly a chance. I've been impressed with what they've been able to produce. Um, uh, now, they've done really well. They've played hard, aggressive footy. A few tweaks here and there about positional changes. Um the Lions, I thought, were quite impressive last week. They went in with a plan. It was interesting, the TV commentators at something. Oh, can the Lions win playing their style of footy, which is just kick, mark, kick, mark? Well, that's their normal not, not style. I don't know why they didn't pick it up, that they only did it for St Kilda. For St Kilda want to go on the rebound, so they go no chance of turnover. So um, the, the Lions generally play a quick round of footy. You want to get the ball in quick because they're the stars out of the forward line. Um, I think at the Gabba, It'll be tough. To, you know, Tigers do okay at the Gabba, or have done in the past. I think it's going to be a really tough game, a really tight game. But I just think uh, with Andrews, without Lynch there, I think Andrews can be a, a real thorn in their attack. They ought to do some rebelling. And I think the Lions in a close one. Well, Andrews was certainly pivotal last week uh, against the Saints, wasn't he? Uh, let's talk personnel quickly. Dane Zorko uh, put through his paces uh, at the main training session yesterday, but uh, Brisbane's still to decide if he will front up or not. 
Uh, Matheson, the barometer, he's, uh, well, he's there if they need him, probably still a couple of weeks away, though. And uh, the veterans, Daniel Rich and Jack Gunston, uh, did a bit of uh, running on their own at that main training session. They're entering week three of a training block after apparently dropping themselves. Uh, Richmond's injury list looking a bit better now. Of course, you mentioned the, the main name there, absentee Tolt Lynch foot injury, which the prognosis on that, I reckon, has been seven to 12 weeks for about the past seven weeks. So I that's not why. I don't know why. Well, it's not augering well, is it? You think if he if he was closing in on a return, that number would have come down. So, uh, and they've still got some big names on on this list, haven't they? Dion Presti, a calf injury, could be about three weeks away. Uh, the one that intrigues me is Noah Coupleland, who I think is a really good young player, but seemed to fall out of favour a bit, and then got a calf injury. And Jacob Hopper, uh, he'll be tested too. So, Coupleland, Hopper, and Ryan is the other one, all a chance to come back. Um, Pickett now available for selection too but no Witch, no Prestia uh, makes it difficult up at the Gabba you'd think um, gee I don't know you know I'm on the Tiger bandwagon and yeah. struggle to get off your north this is a sort of game they probably need to jag if they're going to make the finals I think um, do you give them any chance at all? I give them a chance Prestia's a big out Prestia's a big out in their midfield so um. Yeah. Yeah. I give them a chance. Yeah. Certainly, the way they've been playing, no doubt they played against the odds. They did well against Brio and Perth. But I think the I think Lions at home. I'm going. I'm going for Lions by eleven points. Eleven points for you. Uh, look, Brisbane has tended to win the games against Richmond at the Gabba. Uh, not so much at the MCG. Different story if they get there. But um, yeah, they were, they were pretty uh, methodical and and efficient and a bit more. Um, down really than they usually are. They just had a plan to beat the way St Kilda flood their numbers to back. So that's yeah. the way they did. They just didn't allow St Kilda to score. So they were always going to win the game. And I think it's probably winning in those sorts of ways, I think, that will make them a more complete side. So yeah, look, I'd, I'd like to go for the upset, but I can't quite justify it. I think it'll be close though. I'm going for Brisbane to win that one by six points. Well, it's the, uh, the grand final rematch or actually, no, they've already played once this year, so it's the grand final rematch, rematch, Rocket. And it's between Sydney and Geelong, 7.50pm at the SCG. Uh, Sydney, 13th on the ladder, been a tough year for them, but uh, <laughs> nice confidence booster last week, 171-point belting of West Coast. Uh, Geelong, up to ninth on the ladder, 7-7 seven and seven now after a uh, pretty significant uh, eclipse of Melbourne at the Cattery last week by 15 points. Uh, head-to-head, July have won six of the last eight between those two sides, and they've belted the Swans of the last two. Uh, 93 points in the um, earlier meeting this season between the two, and then, of course, grand final day last year, 81 points. It's a total of 174 points in the last two games. Uh, Sydney at the SCG this year won three and lost four, so not great. And July at the SCG, and it's so-so. Five wins, five losses in the last 10 appearances at the grad, going all the way back to the famous or infamous, if you're a cat person, 2005 uh, semi-final, yes, Nick Davis. And the I see it, but I don't believe it game so well called by Anthony Hudson. Um, interesting personnel uh, issues here, which I'll mention in a minute, but right off the top of your head, Rocket, what do you reckon? Um, well, off the, off the top, you'd have to have to pick Geelong. Um uh, just last week being such a one-sided game, I know it helps that percentage, but it's, uh, that Mills back was a was a bonus, McCartan back, so they're getting their players back. Uh, this is just one that if if or both teams, if both teams are a chance. I still don't think Sydney are really a chance. They're just a bit too far out, but to make the finals, I, I Geelong need to win this, and I just think they've got a bit uh, bit to play for. Duncan back last week was a was a plus for them. Rowan probably his best game. Um, I, I just think they're getting the troops back. Cameron's going to be a loss, um, obviously. Whether Danesville, he's probably still out, even though they'll say he's a test. Um, that swings a little bit Sydney's way. You know, Goulden, Heaney, Mills, Water, they've got a good bit filled, but I, I just think the Cats win in a close one. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, 
just on personnel, Cats are saying, you know, Dangerfield and Radicalia will return for this game. So that's a big one. Cameron is a big out. I'll tell you just quickly, he posted an Instagram pic of himself in the neck brace in a hospital after being concussed. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen. One eye was like pointed at right angles to the other one. It was. I think that too. And I know we don't want to talk about the tribunal on the, on the MRO, but if that had been an opposition player, he would have got three to five weeks. And that was a football accident. His teammates not doing it on purpose. So football accidents do happen. Uh, um, and they, they can't adjudicate a football accident that a person should be suspended. And I think that's uh, I think that's really blatant now. It's a good um, argument now for uh, players who get uh, reported got to go to the tribunal. Well, hang on, it's not as bad as this one. And this was a pretty accident that happened. Yeah. No, well, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think most people in the footy world agree with you, except, unfortunately, the rule makers, the... MRO on the tribunal. Uh, just talk personnel for Sydney. Uh, things looking a lot healthier for the Swans on that front. Isaac Kearney, Logan McDonald, Callum Mills all came back last week. Tom McCartan played in the VFL, which is great to see given his concussion issues. Uh, Will Haywood available again after being a, a late withdrawal last week. Uh, just a bit of illness there, so he's okay. But the big one here, Rocket, uh, Buddy Franklin. Uh, they're saying test, but uh, a big chance to come back this week. And uh, I wonder if that could stretch the Geelong defence a little bit in terms of height and strength, given that uh, McDonald is also uh, back in the harness. You've got a Marty as well, McLean. They can't play all of them. Uh, Franklin would have been better to play last week if he could have. Um, he would have had an, wouldn't have had an easy run. But uh, I, I, I'm on harsh here. But, so I don't think he offers a lot other than taking good play. I would. If I was Geelong, I wouldn't worry about him too much, to be honest. I think he might get gold, so, but he doesn't. He's just not the athlete he was. He can't bend over when he's got a sore back or tight back. Um, his speed has just come off a bit, which you expect for a 36-year-old. So it's not a criticism. It's just where he's at. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he plays or not. Well, he should, put him, uh, should retire, and then uh, West Coast might pick him up as an unlisted free agent or something, Rocket. They... they <laughs> Oh, that was a bit cruel. I know. Uh, all right. Uh, sounds to me like you're going for the Cats. Are you and by how much? Yeah. Um, look, catch by nine points. Yeah. I am too. I, I Like you, I think um, Cameron and Big Out, but their personnel's good. Uh, the motivation's certainly there. And um, 50-50 on this ground in the past, even when the Swans were going better than they are now. So that's enough for me. I'm going to go for Geelong. By 12 points. So we're in sync at the moment. Saturday afternoon, 1.45 Eastern Time at Adelaide Oval sees the Crows taking on North Melbourne. The Crows are 8-7-7 after that heartbreaking loss to Collingwood by two points last Sunday. Uh, North are 7-8-2-12. They had the bye last week. Uh, Crows have won their last four against the Roos, whose last win over Adelaide was back in 2020. Um, Adelaide Oval, bit of a uh, fortress for the home side. They've won six of their last seven there. Uh, North Melbourne have not won at Adelaide Oval Rocket since they came into use as an AFL venue. They have lost 10. They are 0 and 10 on Adelaide Oval, yet to break their duck. Are they any chance of doing so this week? And if there's a lot of injuries to Adelaide during the game, um, so virtually no. I think it'll make it 0 11. Um, having said that, I think the Kangas are on their track, and I think we've spoken about that. They've got some good youngsters. They just haven't got enough depth of quality in the right spots, especially down the back. Uh, they really struggled. For, they really struggle in defence. When you've got Walker and uh, Fogarty and you've got Rankin, um, uh, now they've got some real talent in their forward line, So, and you can't see. if it, It's at equal numbers inside 50s. Even then, you think Adelaide would win well, and I just think their inside 50s are going to be a bit lopsided. Um, Dawson's become an extremely good player for the Leeds, a really good player. Um, so I, I think everything being equal, the Crows could win by about 80 or 90, but I think they won't be as motivated. So in a six-day break, so I, I, I think they'll win comfortably, though. One thing working in their favour is a, a really short injury list. Um, their health situation has been pretty good all season. Tom, do day after the year with a knee injury. Nick Murray, uh, beyond that, is probably the only real concern. Uh, he's got a test with a, 
uh, been caught uh, to his hamstring in a marking contest against the Pies. So a uh, bit of a test for him, but uh, not a, a make or break um, uh, consequence there, I wouldn't have thought. North Melbourne, uh, hopeful that Luke Davies Uniac can come back. Uh, he has made a, a pretty decent recovery from his hamstring injury. Uh, that's the main injury there. Charlie Colburn, key forward, uh, still about four weeks away with his ankle injury and uh, Jack Arney, shoulder injury. He is out for the rest of the season. Yeah, a bit like you. You think Adelaide will get the job done well enough, um, but could probably, with all due respect to North, and uh, you know, could probably do so with without sort of uh, busting a gut quite to the extent they did against Collingwood. Uh, nevertheless, be to, uh, important for them to not only have a win, but uh, keep that confidence high. Oh, we had a little percentage, uh, sorry to digress here, that yeah. the, the percentage of the teams from Essendon, St Kilda, Bulldogs and Adelaide is not great. Yeah. Now, they're 108, 109, 106%. They're not that far out. So generally a team at fifth or sixth will be having a 10, 15% break. They haven't. Um, so they're only a game, some of these teams are only a game ahead of... Uh, uh, Geelong and uh, the uh, Fremantle, and they're percentage in Gold Coast, and they're not percentage not great. So they need a percentage win. So the point I was getting to, they need to put the foot to the throat. They need to win by 80 and 90, but I think I'll, I'm going for 45 points. 45. Uh, I'm going to go... I reckon North have been pretty competitive by and large recently, so I think I can keep it to within about that six-goal range. I'm going for Adelaide by 36 points. One forty-five p.m. Marvel Stadium, Western Bulldogs v Fremantle. The Bulldogs are seven, eight wins, six losses. They had the bye last week. Incidentally, just on that bye, uh, I think it's ten out of twelve sides coming off the bye this year lost, and the only two winners were sides that played other sides also coming off the bye. Oh. So uh, not not good opens here for the sides. Uh, last six sides to come off the bye. Anyway, uh, just throw that in there for you. Fremantle 11 on the ladder, 7-7 seven and seven after a good win over Essendon at home last week by 32 points. Uh, Bulldogs won four of the last six against the Dockers, including earlier this year in Perth. In round six, they had a, a pretty good 49-point win over Frio. Uh, what about at Marvel Stadium? The Bulldogs are 12 wins out of 18 since the start of last year. Uh, Fremantle go go all right there actually since mid twenty one so two years they have won four lost two and drawn one so they don't mind uh, Melbourne under the roof uh, which could be a factor uh, I'll talk personnel briefly in a moment but uh, this is an interesting one Rocket it is I think the question is which one of the, these teams will turn up which Bulldog team will turn up or which Fremantle team will turn up. Uh, Fremantle were lamentable before they played Essendon last week. Um, and then they, they showed, they got back to their style. They moved it quickly. Um, Sean Darcy back was a big plus for them. Uh, so Fife is starting to, he, he's never going to be the player he was, but he showed a bit more last week. I, you know, I saw some people were critical of him. I thought he, I thought he did him a job. Um, give him a bit of physicality in the middle, then they've rested him. Uh, could go forward, take him up. Got his hands still few. Um, Brayshaw are a really good player. Sarong's a really good player. They've got a good midfield. So they can match the Bulldogs in that area. Um, Darcy can match English. Um, but uh, it depends on the Bulldogs. They're going forward with the ball. The, losing Jones is going to be a big loss. Um, they've got a, a potent, not a potent forward line, but an exciting future forward line in Tracy and uh, Miss. And, uh, uh, so they can travel. The I honestly don't know who to pick. They don't know which team's going to is going to turn up. They're both Jack on Heights. Uh, everything being equal, you would think if the best Bulldog team turned up and the best Fremantle, that I'd go for the Bulldogs um, at home in a close one. But I do like Fremantle at their best. I think if they have, the midfielders get hold of it and they have good use of the ball, it's going to depend on the pressure that the Bulldogs can place. So uh, it, it'll certainly be a tight game. Well, I think it's going to depend on personnel this one as well to wit. Uh, a couple of names whose absence is pretty big for the Bulldogs. And you mentioned one of them, William Jones. Uh, of course, that unfortunate um, injury where uh, was Paul Curtis, I think, for North Melbourne, kicked well, kicked the ball sort of in midair and 
happened to collect Jones's forearm. Um, he's going to be out for some time. I think they're talking about two months, so it might even be the rest of the season. And Tim O'Brien, um, he's got a pretty serious hamstring injury. He might be out for the rest of the season too. And Frio's forward line, um, Matt Tabin and not there. He's on that Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list, but they've sort of moved past Tabin a bit now. Um, Amos is really impressive, and Tracy, I think, competes pretty hard. And uh, Luke Jackson, they doing some good work down there as well. Grateful, yeah. So, so what's, what do they say on the injury list about Johannesson and Richards? Well, Johannesson, yeah, Johannesson's still uh, probably at least three weeks away, I think, uh, with a hamstring injury, and Ed Richards uh, two to three weeks away. So, yeah, you know, they putting a hole in their defence. Their defence is decimated, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so with that injury, I'm, I'm going to go for the Dockers. I think uh, their hide will turn up into their Jekyll, and... Um, I'm going to go for them for seven points. Well, that's interesting. And I was going to go for Fremantle, but because you are, I'm not. It's a little bit Well, no, not, not just because I had to make up a tip. It's almost, uh, I'm just this, I, I'm like a reverse barometer for Fremantle. Anytime I say, yeah, I reckon they're good enough to win this, they come to Melbourne, they turn in one of those stickers, and you know after about five minutes what's going to happen. Um, I'm not convinced at all by the Bulldogs, but... They were my pre-season premiership tip, looking pretty sick now. But they actually absolutely have to win this to make sure they stay in the eight. So I reckon we can see that the better side of the Bulldogs. Uh, I think it'll be hard work, though. I'm going to go for them to win this one by 14 points. 4.35pm Saturday afternoon at Heritage Bank Stadium, formerly Metricon Stadium. Formerly the cow paddock of Carrara back in your Brisbane Bears playing days, Rocket. Uh, we have a big game with Gold Coast taking on Collingwood. The Suns are 10th on the ladder at 7-7 seven and seven after a pretty impressive demolition job on Hawthorne last Sunday by 67 points. And the Pies still on top of the ladder, 12-2 and two after that nail-blinding two-point win. Over the Crows, uh, how do these two go against each other? Well, the Pies have uh, 10 wins and three losses against the Suns and have won eight of the last nine. Uh, this equivalent game last year at the same venue was a thriller with Collingwood just getting up by five points. Um, and the ground is a factor. Gold Coast go pretty well there. They're 8-6 there since the start of last year. Uh, Collingwood don't mind it either, though, having said that. They've won 10 games there and only lost two in all their visits to Carrara over the years. Uh, talk about injuries quickly, but uh, tell you what, Rocket, anyone looking for a little, uh, you know, upset, uh, a little one against the odds that uh, might help out your tipping, this might be your baby. Yeah, I've got a feeling too, Rowan. I think uh, six-day break, travel, Emotional letdown after last week's win. Uh, got a big game the week after uh, the Pies against uh, the Bulldogs. I just think this is a game. Wouldn't surprise me if there was a late out or two, uh, resting players. Uh, not saying that's going to happen, but I just I only just beat them last year. It was Nick, Nick and Josh Dacos magic in the end that got them over the line. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, playing playing up there, so I might tip an upset. It just depends on the injury. Well, I'll fill you in on that now. Uh, Tuke Miller, of course, um, has been out for the Suns. Done pretty well on his absence. He's still a week away, though, so he won't be playing. Joel Jeffrey likely to come back before the end of his season. He'd be a good addition for them, too, if they are challenging for the finals. The Pies, almost a full list to choose from. Uh, Dugowie's still got another week of his suspension. Sidebottom's still about two weeks away. Uh, Braden Maynard copped a, a late knock to the shoulder last week, uh, but trained yesterday and is expected to be okay. Dan McStay, the other one there, um, he just can't get on the park. He's had that finger issue and an infection on that and uh, probably still two weeks away. So personnel good for the Pies. Uh all right, I'm going to uh, no, I'm going to throw it to you to see what you. Oh, come on, you go first. All right, I will go first. Okay, um, you know it's funny. There's you talk about the wheel going full circle. 
this is arguably, in a sense, the most important game for the Suns since uh, what was a famous win for them in 2014 against Collingwood um, when they really looked like they were going to play finals. Gary Ablett did his shoulder in this game. They did win the game, but that was really the end of them as a competitive force until now. Uh, so it's the wheel turns full circle. I reckon we might have a similar result. And it, look, it's just a hunch. I, I know Collingwood's a better side, but I just think they have to have a, a psychological wetdown at some stage. And just got over the line against the Crows. It is tough to win up on the Gold Coast. And the Suns will have their tails up and think what I've just said. This is a real opportunity for them to stake their claim as a legitimate final side. So, yes, I know it's an upset. No, it's no disrespect to the Pies. But I'll go for Gold Coast to win by two. Points. I would have gone for Gold Coast. And seeing that you're you tipping that you want to go the opposite me, I'll pick Colin. Oh, we're doing that, are we? Oh, I see you're going to... You're going to tip okay. Collingwood, but make out like you're doing me a tipping favour. Well, okay. I'll pick Gold Coast by seven points. <laughs> <laughs> I think I go. Damn. That was my reverse psychology. Oh, it didn't work. It, it backfired. All right. So you get they so they tip who you want to tip. Oh, cut one. <laughs> I'll go and Gold Coast seven points. All right. Gold Coast seven points. Well, now I'm sort of wanting the Collingwood to get up just to deny you, even if that denies me. I'm all confused. All right, let's move on to the next game. Oh, it's a really interesting game at the MCG, 7.25pm Saturday evening. Essendon playing Port Adelaide. Uh, the venue here is interesting because these two sides haven't actually played each other at the MCG before. All the um, previous meetings Port have had with the Bombers here have been at Docklands. Not this one, though. The Bombers are six on the ladder, eight and six after a pretty disappointing loss to Freo in Perth last week. Port Adelaide second after 11 wins in a row, uh, coming off the bye, which uh, a little bit of danger signs there for Ken Hinckley. Um, Essendon against Port. Well, Port have had a stranglehold over the Bobbers of late. They've won the last six meetings. Only just last time, though, that was in round eight uh, over in Adelaide by five points. Um, in fact, they have played the MCG before, but it's a long time ago, 97 and 98, the last times Essendon played Port at the G. Uh, Bombers' record of a G isn't great. They've won four and lost 10 since the start of last year, but they have won their last two against Carlton and against Richmond. Port Adelaide at the MCG are uh, just one win of four losses since the start of last year, but the losses have been narrow, and they did beat Richmond by uh, 10 points back in Round 11, I'll uh, we'll give you some injury updates shortly. Jeez, uh, uh, another intriguing one, Rocket, because uh, if you're looking for uh, their due-to-slip factor here, Port might be a candidate for that as well. Uh, they might be, but I think uh, they've got a tough edge to Port. Um, I like the way they go about it. They do do okay at the MCG, even if they, you know, they're close losses. They're very competitive. Essendon, to me, have done an exceptional job this year, but I'm, I, but, but the jury's still out for me for finals. Um, I think there's, they're, they're, their defence has done really well, but I just got some question marks about it. Uh, Parrish was back last week. Uh, Shield's still out. I just think the midfielder, Rosie Butters, is such a competitive beast. Um, Powell Peppers had a, a great season. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, but I think Paul will win this one. Yeah, this is where I think Essendon's uh, midfield injuries become absolutely critical because I think so good has been the port midfield. They'd need absolutely all hands on deck, and they won't have that. So Dylan Shield, foot injury, still a week away. Will Saddlefield gives them that midfield strength. He's still two weeks away. Uh, Parrish back last week. Interesting game. Had his moments, but uh, got criticised a little bit defensively. I do wonder sometimes watching Merritt and Parrish of the same side, whether they actually do Essendon any favours working as a duo. Because, I don't know, sometimes I see Merritt and Parrish play together and I feel like it means the Essendon midfield becomes all about offence, not enough about uh, defence, yeah. as they call it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they seem, yeah, they get on the, on the floor goes well. I think Merritt has changed his game a little bit um, uh, to be more tackling and more... Uh, around the ball, putting pressure on. Parrish is a bit more of a forward mindset player. So I think they can work it, 
Milani worked with Merritt having a mindset to be able to get some coverage um, through the midfield and uh, to help defensively. But yeah, I just uh, I think the other one, Gordon has been a good player for them. He's a, he's another midfielder who stepped up. He did some really good things last week, um, and and has had quite a good year. But I just think that the depth of quality uh, that Port Port have got, um, their ability to kick goals, so like fortunately. I didn't mention the big one here, of course, either in terms of personnel. It's, um, Sam Draper said to uh, Essendon said to be without him for a second game. Uh, Brendan Zerk Badger uh, had a adductor injury late in that um, loss last week, so that could be a concern. Zach Reed, uh, he's uh, he was supposed to be returning from a hamstring injury into VFL level, but that didn't happen. Uh, now, he, he might become patron of the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury. We're speaking of which rockets, someone, one of our faithful audience uh, rightly pointed out that um, the man himself wasn't on Orazio, wasn't on our Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list, but uh, I'm told he did play uh, in the Sandful and they've got him listed, he is listed this week as a test. So it would be good to see him come back, although uh, you think it'll be some time before that was at AFL level. Uh, good news for the power, though, Xavier Dersma uh, in line to play for the first time since round seven. Again, you'd think that would be through the sandfall. Uh, Lockie Jones, the other one, he's uh, got a jaw injury and probably a couple of weeks away. Uh, Tom, McC- uh, Tom McClurry, Tom McClurry, a uh, bit of a forgotten man, really. Um, he's still a month away with a back injury. So just adding that list shows you sort of um, how much depth Port has got these days in all parts of the ground. I, I tell you what, though, I mentioned the Essendon midfield absentees. Uh, if they are without Draper and Zerk Thatcher particularly, he's really poured to that defence. Uh, I just think they're, they're too thin there. I, I don't think they can overcome that. I'm going to go support Adelaide. Uh, and I've got to go for Port Adelaide by 22 points. Yeah, I'm going for Port by 27. 27 points. All right, let's see if the bowlers can have a uh, defiant against the odds win there and make us look silly. First game on the Sunday menu is 1-10 at the MCG and it sees Hawthorne playing Carlton. The Hawks, 16th on the ladder. Uh, four and ten, shocking performance against Gold Coast. They got belted by 67 points. Bit of a ruddle of ship without their skipper, James Sisley, in defence. The Blues are 15. They had the bye last week, uh, but, uh, well, they sort of went off the radar a bit last week. That might actually suit them because they were getting kicked from pillar to post, the Blues. Uh, Hawthorne, uh, in modern times, had a real dominance over the Blues. They won 17 of 18 games against Carlton between 2005 and 2020. Carlton won the last two, though, and last year won a thriller in round three by one point. Uh, Hawks at the MCG have just won the four and lost nine since the start of last season. Uh, Carlton aren't that flash there either. They are six wins, eight losses, and a draw since the start of last year. Uh, well, one side coming off a bye, one side coming off a belting. Who recovers best in this one, you're in? I think Sicily out uh, is. I think he's the most important player of any club uh, that rely on. They, I think they all the rely on him more than any other club rely on an individual player. Uh, apart from being able to water tax, but also to set up defensively. Uh, sorry, to set up offensively. Um, I think they'll be better. I think they like the MCG, like that played against Brisbane. They'll play fast, expensive game, which will suit them against Carlton, who won't quick. But in the end, if Carlton want to play the way they played against the Gold Coast, then move it quickly. Kurnow and Mackay, I just can't see uh, the Hawthorne defence holding them. Well, Hawthorne have got an interesting selection poser here because we've, we've talked about how important Sicily is. Another uh, key defender who's been missing for some time now is uh, Chankot Jack. He's had a calf injury. He's expected to be available to play this week. Now, he's missed five games. Surely, normally, you'd think he'd come back via the VFL, but without Sicily, and given the extent to which they got exposed last week, and the fact you're up against Carlton with Mackay and Kerno, they're probably going to have to bring him in, aren't they? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, but Jack doesn't play either of them. He hasn't got the, the body size to play on them. He's more of a flanker. He gives them run and set up and athleticism and rebound. Uh, I would think they'd probably play Box Hill. I would think 
Okay. He's had a calf. Like I, I'm just guessing, but maybe wrong on that. I just don't know who they will. Either Blake will play. Um, he's been one. Whether they play the Denver Ranger Barash, whether he comes as a young, but it's a big job. Sam Frost is there. Frost makes a lot of mistakes as well. Um, so they just haven't got set up um, coming out of defence, and maybe Jack gives them that. Maybe as a uh, as a sub or come off the bench. I'm not too sure, but now they've got some. They're going to have the handfuls. Their midfield's really going to have to dominate, um, and that's why Carlton will have to make it a contested game early with the ability then to spread as quickly as they can to get the ball in quickly for their forwards. Uh, just quickly on some Carlton injuries, Marchbank has missed the last few weeks. He should be right to come back. Uh, Durden, Hollands, uh, both still about a month away, and uh, Matt Cottrell, he is suspended until round 17. Now, I'm like you, I just, it's a particularly bad matchup, or particularly bad time to have Sicily out uh, coming up against Carlton, I think. And, um, well, the, the Blues have had the rest, and that doesn't all go well based on what we've seen this year, but I think they're in a good enough place to beat Hawthorne, uh, missing its captain and clearly their most important player. So uh, I'm going to go for the Blues to win this one relatively comfortably. I think uh, I'm going to go about 28 points. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'll go with the Blues, 23. 23 points. We've caught a lot of margins in the 20s this week. That's that sort of hedging my bets type margin. We've got to be more decisive with the margins, Rocket. Uh, all right, uh, that is the first of the Sunday games. Uh, let's talk about the second one of those, and uh, we're headed off to Central Australia. <laughs> Tregear Park, Alice Springs is the venue, 3.20 the time for Melbourne taking on GWS. Uh, Demons stay fourth on the ladder with nine wins, five losses. One of those, though, the 15-point defeat to Geelong last week down at Cattery. GWS 14th on the ladder, but... Probably a better season than that looks. They've won six and lost eight, had the bye last week. But they've been so competitive, Rocket. Uh, seven of those eight losses have been by 21 points or less. Incredibly competitive. Melbourne against GWS. Uh, the scoreboard is Melbourne's way, 9-7. Although four of the last six of them have been at the MCG. Uh, Melbourne's played in Alice Springs a fair bit now. They've won four and lost four, uh, but won four of the past five. GWS, in contrast, have never played in Alice Springs. Uh, I'll give you injuries in a minute, but uh, that would be a factor, wouldn't it? Uh, you don't play in the Alice every day of the week, and the Giants haven't played there before, so you think that gives Melbourne a decent advantage? Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And I think I think the Demons have done very well there. They know the ground. I know they're saying Oliver won't be back, but and they missed you last week. Um, but you think they're going to add a bit more, a bit too much talent. I think the by as well coming off. It's, it's not a great record for teams, and I think that might hit the Giants. But they, they've been in really good form. Uh, they, I was on their bandwagon early in the season. Unfortunately, they've lost some game. And they're the one team that's lost to um, the West Coast, which now looks a hideous result, doesn't it? Look uh, what's happened the past month. But uh, no, I think the, I don't think it'll be all one way. Just the Giants at times, and, and it will take a bit of refining uh, next year or so, but they just make mistakes at the wrong time, just big mistakes. They're starting to rectify them, and uh, but they're a threat to any side. They can beat any side in the competition, but I just don't know whether they're consistent enough. Well, it's a, it's a good sign under Kingsley how co- consistently competitive at least they've been. They don't get blown away. So um, I think that's a pretty good sign. Just talk uh, about them in terms of personnel. Uh, the buyer's been good for them. Uh, Nick Haynes and Jesse Hogan have both recovered from injuries and should be right to play. Um, Davis and Jason Gilby also likely to return but uh, probably through the VFL Lockie Whitfield of course suspended until round 17 Brett Daniels uh, still probably a couple of weeks away with a hamstring injury uh, you mentioned Clayton Oliver uh, the latest on he has been ruled out already this week uh, following that uh, niggly hamstring strain uh, Michael Hibbert he won't be available this week he copped a kidney injury in that loss against Geelong. Um, and Tom McDonald, uh, still about at least a month away in his rehab. I'm going to put this to you, Rocket. I, I would say, I don't think Melbourne can't win the flag. I'm a fan of them at their best, but I'm I'm convinced that their best includes Ben Brown in that forward setup, leading up, hitting the ball hard, kicking a couple of goals, 
I don't reckon they can win the flag without Ben Brown of a side. I'll, I'll say it. Gee, <laughs> um, well, I certainly need a four that's a target. There's no doubt about that. Now, Ben showed in that grand final win that he was he played very well. He was quite important. In that he he is there are two things against him, and whether he's carried injuries and he's struggling a bit, is his second efforts are very poor, and defensively he's very poor. So he needs to mark it. He's quite a good, accurate kick. But at the moment, they've tried a lot of different players. Ben Ruin is a young player and he shows promise, but he's just not consistent enough at this stage. Um, uh, the two rucks haven't worked as a forward, one of them going forward, as a given them that option they'd hope. Um, and Patty's been out, but he's been back and forward. They really haven't had another target other than Fritch, who's a medium-sized player. So they would need yeah. someone. So they haven't played Brown, so maybe he's the, maybe he's the answer. Well, you're backing my argument up. I'll frame it more positively. If Melbourne uh, does go on and do something pretty significant in September, Ben Brown will be part of that equation. Uh, it's just something about him. I reckon I know all the things you say are valid, but I just think they are a better side when he's part of the mix. Um, I think we both agree about either side here and the likely result. Um, I'll put it to you first. Victor and Amarge. And uh, Melbourne by 17 points. All right. Uh, yes, I'm going for Melbourne by a suitably wishy-washy margin as well. Uh, let's say 16 points. Last game of round 16. It's over in Perth at Optus Stadium, 4.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it is the Witches Hats versus St Kilda. Sorry, that was a cheap gratuitous sledge. <laughs> it is West Coast. Versus St Kilda, what is going to happen here? The Eagles uh, last on the ladder, one and thirteen after that one hundred seventy-one point loss to the Swans. Three of their last eight defeats by hundred points or more. Uh, Four hundred point defeats to the year. Their win loss record five and forty since round 16, 2021. So exactly two years ago, what was a, a really high-quality win over Richmond and since then just been an absolute disaster for them. The Saints are fifth on the ladder at 8-6 after a 28-point loss to Brisbane at home last week. Uh, St Kilda's record against West Coast, uh, not great um, uh, overall, and West Coast and Optus Stadium, well, they're as bad there as they're bad everywhere. They've lost 19 of the last 21. Um, St Kilda have won their last couple of appearances in Perth but uh, they're the only wins they've had two wins and four defeats uh, I'm going to do this really quickly 21 players on the injury list for West Coast here we go Baker, Bergil, Clark, Cole, Cripps Cully, Edwards, Foley, Hearn Jamison, Jones, McGovern Nat Nui, Petreski, Seat, Rotham, Ryan, Waterman West, Williams, Winter Yo. Uh, Rocket just went off and made himself a cup of tea while I read that out. But uh, 21 injuries, Rocket, and of course it's a factor. But it's not an excuse at all for overall their shocking performances of late. Surely the Saints get the job done here. Oh, there's no doubt they'll win. Um, but from the West Coast point of view, and certainly from us in media land, uh, but supporters, and certainly from coaching, they just need effort. They need to be judged on their effort. And that's got to be led by the senior players. That's got to be led by players who have played 50 games or more. So Gaff, Shuey, Kelly. There's still some names here. Oscar and they've still got some still got some talent in that side. They, they should be giving. So if I was St Kilda, I wouldn't be taken. They're still going to win, but you can take them lightly because you would think there's going to be a response from getting pummeled in the media. And that's the only mode, that's the main mode of enforcing our teams. And once you get bagged in the media, the teams have a bounce back. Um, so I think it'll be tougher for St Kilda than people think. The way St Kilda play can suit West Coast. They like to get numbers back. So if they take the uh, Brisbane model, just keep them off them, they'll turn it over. They'll St Kilda try and get you on the rebound and go quickly. Um, they can stay in the game for as you know, now for quite a while if they if they do it smartly and they go in with a plan. And enough talent to carry it out. But their senior players need to leave from the front. But uh, yeah, you can't see them really getting any chance of winning in the end of the game. 
Uh, I just mentioned St Kilda personnel. Uh, their injury list has been a factor all year. It's getting gradually shorter. Uh, Hunter Clark resumes full training this week and uh, getting closer to return after uh, injury back in round 11. And uh, Tim Membry, speaking of knee injuries, he's been plagued by them all season, still at least a month away. Um, so they're significant outs for the Saints. And Nick Caulfield, um, calf injury, still two to four weeks away as a matter of fact, uh, all season for the Saints either. Uh, yep, they get the job done. Um, and they really do have to find something offensively by the Saints, don't they, Rocket? Uh, particularly on a, a bigger ground like this. This is their chance to actually show the uh, the more attacking, positive side of the game. Surely Ross Lyon sort of takes the shackles off a bit in this one, doesn't he? Well, if he's going to defend the same way, which is getting numbers back, so therefore you've got no one to kick it to, and that's why Andrews has had a picnic. And uh, so teams set up now. So they've teams have done a lot of homework on why they should kill the play, so they're working out plans to be able to, able to defeat them. So they start them. Um, it's really unable to stake here or there. They're able to get some kill through, but I think with the with the uh, uh, Eagles, they're going to make enough mistakes for some people to capitalise on. So I've got the Saints winning by 49 points. 49 points. We're uh, like-minded on this as well. I'm going for the Saints to win by 42 points. And uh, it is a good chance for them though, to sort of spread their wings offensively and uh, get a bit of confidence under the belts for some of those forward starved of opportunity. All right, that is it for round 16, and uh, that is it for this podcast. Thanks to your company, everyone. Um, what are you picking the games this week, just off the top of your head? What are the games you think are really going to be the best ones to watch? Um, Western Bulldogs, Fremantle. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, that'll be the and Sydney Geelong. I think that will that'll be uh, that'll be a pitiful game as well. All right, I, I reckon Brisbane Richmond will be a good watch Thursday night, and uh, Essendon Port Adelaide. Something sort of unexpected tends to happen with Essendon Port Adelaide, so that's a, a keep your eye on one, of course. And uh, well, if you see your home, you can alternate between that and the Ashes, of course. The second test uh, at Lords beginning uh, Wednesday night. Can't wait for that just to uh, tweet horrible nasty things at ollie robinson if nothing else uh thanks to your company everyone uh we'll catch you next time